Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. She's back. We're back for another episode in the podcast. So guys, welcome back. Welcome, Hayden. And we are joined with the wonderful Christy, who we're going to, who, well, we were briefly finding out too much great information on her. So we decided to hold pause, press record, and let you guys come along with all the good information and story that we're going to have. How are you, Christy? Anyway, first and foremost. I am wonderful. A little sleepy this morning. I uh, was up a little bit early with the uh, child, but feeling good, feeling fresh. Good, good. And what what is a normal wait time for you as a mother? Oh, you know what? I think in the beginning, we were up very early all the time, obviously, if we slept at all. But nowadays, <laughs> we're kind of in a good pattern. We're at the stage where she's actually sleeping through the night. And she's usually up around 7. Um, I tend to get up probably around 6 and just mm-hmm. have a little bit of extra time to you know, wake up normally and make some coffee and do all that good stuff. So usually around 6-ish. Today wow. was early. It was like 5.30, I think, though. That half an hour makes a difference, though. well look we're gonna dive in today and and for those of you listening kind of we have been one of our coaches actually the wonderful jess um who we haven't had on the podcast actually still even though she's our coach um put us in contact with christy and we're gonna dive in today all about kind of health and fitness how kind of christy got into it but also a bit more about like the mother side of things like how do you juggle that because i know there's a lot of kind of like mums that also uh you know, follow us and listen to us and and different things. And obviously neither of us have kids. So uh, myself and Hayden would love to get some more insight into how you juggle everything. And I have a slight feeling that Hayden has done something wrong here by his look of sheer terror. No, no, I've literally only just found your faces. I've been looking the whole time on my Zoom to find it. Because when I went to press play, I couldn't find your face. And I'm like, I I can't talk to just a blank screen the whole time. Oh, Christy, you're muted. We're, we're technical oh, we, errors, look, guys. Look says, yeah, for, yeah, everyone, yeah. <laughs> for everyone listening, this isn't our first podcast. As much as you think we would be on our first podcast due to technical errors, this is actually like number 10 now. Oh, so, Christy, kind of, I love doing this. I love putting everyone on the spot. Tell us about you. Kind of build us your Wikipedia page. Oh, dear. Elevator pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like you guys knew that I hated public speaking as a child. So it's like, might as well just start here. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> what is there about me? Uh, well, my name is Christy Carson. I live in Canada in a city called Winnipeg, which is in the prairies. It is extremely cold here. As I was telling the guys earlier, we are often referred to as winter peg because most of our winters are around minus 30, minus 44 months at a time. And I grew up here and it's funny kind of how fitness kind of became a part of my life. I started dancing really early. And Mm -hmm. when I wanted to pursue that as a career and be a professional dancer, as one does, um, my parents are like, Ooh, no education. So it kind of (laughs) directed me, (laughs) diverted my uh, attention in other areas. And 
it's just kind of what started out as a way to stay in shape after stopping dance turned mm-hmm. into finding my passion and what I wanted to do for my career, which is teach fitness and get involved in that. I'm married five years and have a just over one-year-old daughter, um, which was really interesting to do in amidst COVID. So yeah. <laughs> it's been kind of a challenge and trying to congratulations. Thank you. It's been it's been great. Uh, her name's Quinn. She's wonderful, but we were living in Toronto that. for a couple of years and thank you. Um, and then we just moved back because of COVID because, um, staying in Toronto didn't really seem plausible at the time. And so mm-hmm. we're just trying to figure things out as we go. Love that. Best way to be. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty much what like everyone is just doing at the moment, isn't it? It's like, we're just going to just keep rolling with it. Just roll with the good times mm. and, then and hope for the best. <laughs> Can you can you drop? So for those of you that uh, obviously you didn't hear us talking before we press record, uh, Christy drops us in with an absolute incredible fact here about the weather temperature uh, where you are. <laughs> tell tell the listeners this because this blow this yes, blew mad. my mind a second ago. Well, one year on New Year's Eve, and it was I don't know why we were out. We went to like a hockey game, and we were like walking home from the arena because it was so cold that no one could get a taxi. And it was recorded that we were actually cooler than Mars um, on that specific day and time. So at whatever time it was, I think it was 10 p.m., we had recorded our temperature at the exact time of being colder than it was on Mars at that time. So that's, that's insane. pretty horrible. So <laughs> and those... I ask myself every day why we're still here. <laughs> so you're basically an astronaut. <laughs> I mean, in one way, shape or form. You know? We're pretty invincible. I mean, yeah. it's just we don't really get that cold. We just know how to dress for it, I guess. I was just about to say, do you actively enjoy the cold weather? I take it. No, that must, no, it must. I hate it. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. It's a different kind of cold. It's um, more of a dry cold. Whereas I can't breathe cold. Yeah. It's just like, you kind of get used to it and you're kind of just like, okay, in the car, out of the car. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I can handle, I feel like minus 25 here, but then I've been to the UK in like November and we were up in, and I don't, laugh because I'm going to butcher, but I say Edinburgh and I know everybody goes like Edinburgh, like I can't say it in a fancy <laughs> way that you guys do, but we were out there and I remember it being like, you know, end of November. And I don't think I'd ever been so cold. And it was only like, you know, minus five or something, but for some reason that wet, uh, like in your bones kind of cold is just a completely different kind of feeling. Yeah. See, this is a lot like, um, yeah. like, uh, uh, hot countries, isn't it? When you go and you get like different humidities and different kind of like, I'm like, cause some of the friends li- like are out in like Dubai or other places. And I'm like, how do you live like that? Like surely. And they're like, it's a different kind of heat. So I presume it's the same with, with cold, you know, it's a different kind of, kind of cold. I think so. A bit, yeah. A bit like that wet rain, you know, you're like, Oh, you know, when it's that really wet rain. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm always intrigued though. to like, why? So you just, you just said then that you know you, you you don't really enjoy it that much being cold like what what's what's kept you there so i think the interesting thing about canadians i don't want to say versus americans but i feel like we don't really go anywhere as much because we're so spread out mm-hmm. um so that's a big thing we've noticed like even every time we're in the uk people pop in and out um travel is a lot easier i find for you guys cuz like you'll hop on these small um charter airlines such as like um like Ryanair and EasyJet and all these different things and it's like to go for between all these different uh like cities and countries and stuff for you guys is so easy and it's in a, um inexpensive and like it's manageable whereas here um not to mention like the flight prices are just extremely more expensive but like the time it takes to get everywhere because we're so large in Canada mm-hmm. it ends up being um 
a lot less simple to just like go around from place to place. And I think here my family is quite close. So growing up, my parents were always very adamant of trying to keep us here. So there was many times um, as I was growing up when I mentioned I first wanted to pursue dance as a career. And so when I turned you know, 18, graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to move to Toronto. I'm going to pursue this as a career. And my parents were like, no, you need an education. Like, And it was like the pressure to stay and conform to like what mm. ideal was of like, success and what you need to do to get a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stayed. And then I I have a big passion for music, which is I think how my like dance and athletic background combined with the fitness industry. Um, music is like an extreme, huge um, part of my life. And so I'd always said I wanted to open my own record label and be like take music business management and go to school in this uh, university in another place in Canada. And same thing. They're like, well, no, like this isn't realistic. And it was always like, trying to do the jobs that they wanted me to do versus doing the unrealistic ones that I wanted to do. Because I think mm-hmm. one thing I learned very early on is like the fear of failing holds people back so much. And I think for me, I was always more of the optimistic where I would bet on myself. So if, I was like, if I know I want to do it, I know that I can work hard enough to make it happen. Whereas um, so many people on the outside are like, well, the odds of it happening don't really stack up and the risk involved isn't really that good and the financial stability. And so there was always all these reasons that kind of kept keeping me here. And it wasn't until, um, you know, my husband and I were starting to talk about having kids and, you know, what our future was going to look like. And he's always been a big traveler and never expected to stay here either. And we both just looked at each other. We're like, we could sit here and conform to what other people think we should do, or we could take that risk and finally like do what we want to do. And it's going to ruffle feathers and it's probably risky. And it's, you know, again, the financial aspect is probably not the best decision, but if we're going to do it, we have to do it now. So that's when we did leave and we moved to Toronto for a couple of years. And I was working really hard to try to land the two jobs that I had my sights set on, which in my mind at the time was the pinnacle of like fitness, at least in Canada for us, um, was Soul Cycle and Barry's Boot Camp. And to me, it was like being a fitness instructor, like those were where you wanted to get to. To me, mm-hmm. it was it was like a thing. It was a goal that I never thought I could really do. But in my mind, I was like, no, I think I can. So we moved out there and you know, there was failed auditions and long processes and ups and downs. And I did end up getting both of the jobs. And right as things were going really great, um, we did end up getting pregnant with, or I got pregnant with our now daughter. And then it was just kind of a whole shift from there because I went through the whole pregnancy. I worked at both of the jobs. I trained right up until giving birth. I actually took a class at Barry's the day that I went into the hospital to get induced because why not get one last one in? And uh, then COVID hit. So once COVID hit, it was just kind of like, my husband's businesses were still in Winnipeg. So he was traveling back and forth. And then when travel was no longer an option, we had to make the tough choice to come back. So that's how I ended up back here after leaving. If it was not probably for the current situation, we would have still stayed out there and continued to work in that uh, in that space. But I think with COVID, everybody's had to you know make choices that they didn't necessarily anticipate. And you know, unfortunately, make compromises where they never thought they wanted to. But it's we're trying to make the best of it and make good choices for not just my future now, but for our daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, uh, I just want to take that back a little bit. So are you, did you, before you moved to Toronto to try and land these jobs that you, well, the, the jobs that you had your heart set on, 
did you already know that you wanted to land those jobs before you left or is it you got to Toronto and you're like, oh, these two are, are amazing jobs. I want to try and get them. No, I had my sights set on those for a very long time. Um, I actually took my very first Barry's class in London, coincidentally. And um, oh, it awesome. was such a surreal experience. I remember I was like on the verge of crying, throwing up, wanting to leave the room. Um, our instructor is like, it's still like one of the most memorable classes I've ever been to. And I dragged my husband along with me and I am not, I was, was not a runner at, at that time. And I was literally thought I, I wasn't going to make it through, but we had uh, so much fun. And I walked out of that class and we literally just left the studio, walked down the street and I turned and looked at him and I said, I'm going to work there someday. And it was unrealistic because at the time there wasn't even a location in Canada, but for some reason I was just convinced that it was going to happen. And same with SoulCycle. Um, I was teaching I in Winnipeg, I was teaching boot camps and um, spin classes and TRX and all those kinds of things. And just being in the spin industry, you just knew as soul cycle was it like, that is what really defined, I think the cycling industry as a whole and created it what it is. So for me, when I just knew about those two, and then they had both happened to open up in Canada around the same time in Toronto, it was just a no brainer for me that I was like, I'm going to go there and we get both of these jobs. Um, it wasn't as seamless as that. I had been in contact with people in Toronto prior to even moving. And I flew down there. I took classes and I was like, I want to work here. What do I got to do? Who do I have to talk to? How do I audition? And I'd be going back and forth with the instructors and trying to get um, kind of just insight from them and advice and how to like wiggle my way in the door. But SoulCycle was a little different being that it's based out of New York, whereas the Berries in Toronto was local. So I kind of had little different experiences with both. Yeah, yeah. For the listeners, what is, what's the, so what's the difference between a normal class, like your typical uh, gym class and Barry's bootcamp and this, the spin, like what's, what sets it apart just for people that don't quite know what that, what they are? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for like how things feel. And I think the atmosphere that is created in these places is something that's unmatched because I used to go to the gym all the time and you can try to push yourself and you can put on some good music and you can put on the cute workout outfit, but there's something about when every single person in a room is there for, although a completely different reason, they're there for that same kind of feeling and you mm -hmm. feel how each of their individual energy connects. And it just like, is almost like a vibrational thing. I think the lights are low, the music is loud and you're moving like with people, but for yourself, it's like, I find for me, I'm also, I'm not a competitive person, but when I'm in these classes, just the energy to match people next to me, it pushes me harder and I work harder than I ever probably would on my own. And you just almost want to be a part of this thing. I think it's just kind of an energy aspect for me. And I, I love music. So for me, it's super loud. The lights are dark. You get lost in it. You can kind of like move through your emotions as they happen and work through yeah. your breakthroughs mm -hmm. and your challenges and your roadblocks and kind of come out the other side feeling euphoric. See, that's what I really loved about um, like a typical CrossFit class was, especially if it was like a paired session, where it would just be like you've got a timed event. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Like Barry's boot uh, boot camp, did you yeah. say? Is like it's. I think the one or the one that I my client used to go to. It was like fifteen treadmills just along one side, and then like right behind was just like say a TRX station or something, and then you'd literally in your pairs just 
bounce between doing the workout. Is that like an example of what you might typically see yeah. in a... So berries is basically half tread, half floor work. So um, you yeah. basically have a whole line of treadmills on the wall and you can choose where you start. And the instructors are essentially cueing both the treadmill and the floor at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So in different increments, they're coaching the people on the treads and then the people on the floor are doing different uh, days of the week, hit different body parts. So they'll have like arms and abs on Monday, Tuesday will be like a lower body focus and then like chest, back and abs. So basically you do like a high intensity interval session on the treadmill for a round, then you come down, hit mm -hmm. the weights and then you go back up. So mm -hmm. um, what I liked about it for myself is I could do cardio on my own. I could do weights on my own. But when I was pairing it together, I saw results that I honestly wasn't really getting before. Cause I think it was that high intensity. I was like dripping in sweat, but then you have the adrenaline and it's like, again, like I said, almost that competition where I wanted to better myself to like, continue to level up in this room. It's like the lights are super dark at Barry's. It's like all red lighting and it's like a nightclub. So it's just kind of like that vibe. Just different where, energy. Mm -hmm, and I kept wanting to like, improve. So I was like, I use like, I guess I'm trying to think about the kilogram, um, conversion, but I was like, I use 12, uh, pound dumbbells today. Like I want to use the 15s tomorrow. And it was always trying to like better myself. Um, because I would always leave just like feeling pushed, but in the best kind of way, it's like, I, they push you, but it makes you want to push yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this going back to the CrossFit thing, that, that this literally like exactly the same thing of, of why I loved it so much was that that um, it was almost like whatever the timed session was, you you like, I think a lot of people go into like gym sessions, they go into workouts, they go into like fitness classes and it's very much like a clock watching thing. They go there because I think that's what they need to do in order to achieve their goals and stuff like that. And it becomes dull, it becomes boring and they almost start to test going, but they feel like they should be going. But when you can start to find like, things like this that you really enjoy doing that no longer feel like a strain and feel like exercise. You're, you're pushing your body's like to your body to your limits and you like you um, you're working hard, but you enjoy the session so much that it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like you, you've been in there for an hour or however long it is, 45 minutes. And I used to say this all the time about these CrossFit sessions that would be like a 20 minute AMRAP. But if you're doing it with a partner, I felt like we literally just started before the coach was telling us that it was just about to, or it was the countdown for like the last 10 seconds. I was like, what the hell? What's going on here? Um, yeah, it's, it is, it is completely different energy. And um, I, I, think, love I think that's, I love that. Car, uh, group classes often get a, a bad rap. I think sometimes people are like, oh, what's the point in going to like a group class? It doesn't do anything. That is the prime example of why they're great because you have someone that you're accountable with, i.e. the instructor. You have a great atmosphere and energy with those around you, and it does make you push yourself. As like we all tell all of our clients, like you, your exercise should be for one enjoyment to your health, but that you can just actually stick to it. And it's like you need to find something that's fun and enjoyable. People like I'm someone who will go into the gym, I'll put my headphones on and work out, lift weights, fine, no problem. Whereas I know for most people, they're like, how boring is that? Like you just go. But I see that as my own downtime. Whereas other people, they need that surrounding, you know, they need that high intensity, high energy in that room full of all these other people because it makes them push themselves because they won't push themselves on their own. It's the same with having a personal trainer and the energy that you feel. Like I've taken uh, like circuit style classes before um, for like a couple of years back when I was a at worst the works of PT and the energy when the music's playing and everyone's like cheering each other on they're working in pairs like sweat stripping 
it does. Even I would like get hyped and get like excited <laughs> to be in that room. And all I was doing was like pointing and shouting. <laughs> so. hundred percent. I think the biggest thing is if you don't find something that you enjoy, it's not going to last. And I, mm-hmm. I find that you can always push yourself to do something because you think you have to, but if you don't find a way to find some sort of enjoyment in it, it's not going to feel good. And then you're not going to see, you know, the changes that you want to see because it's, it's forced and it's, um, I think it's just, yeah, finding the one kind of workout that you really enjoy and that you want to keep coming back to. Mm. What's your, um, what's your predictions for these group classes? Like, I don't know what it's like in, in, um, Canada at the moment, but in the UK, we're like 10 days or so, or like 14 days away from like gyms being open or something. I don't know how long it is, um, but it's, it's not long. What's your prediction for these, these classes? Do you think they're going to come back as strong as ever? Or do you think people have now been like, I've, I think I can work out my own now. What, what, where do you think it sits? Honestly, I really do think that the fitness industry has been changed by this entire situation. And it's, uh, it's kind of overwhelming to think about because I don't know if it ever will be the exact same. Like when you think about 60 bodies, like, like super close together in a room, dripping sweat, breathing heavy, like it is hard to imagine how we could get back to that with all of everything that's been going on, despite there being vaccinations and changes coming. But that's not to say that there aren't the people who still are going to want that. I think it's, going to be slow. I think a lot of people have found that they can work out from home and almost are surprised by it. Because in the beginning, people were like, oh, I can't do this. I can't work out at home. And they were struggling. But now a year later, people have adapted and found that routine and found that way to make it work for themselves. So especially being that there's so many online platforms now and offerings and even just individual trainers doing programs and challenges and apps and stuff. It's Mm. almost, uh, Mm. it's a lot to take in. I think it's a lot hard to, I think, decide which direction people can go because they're always going to want to try something Mm. different. I think people, I, I I, I think I agree that people now take their health a lot more seriously. Because people realize that like, you know what, like we got to be healthy because if we're healthy, we are at a better kind of like advantage when things do crop up. But also I think it gave people a lot of time to reflect perhaps on things that they'd put off, you know, their health, their fitness, their um, weight loss. I know a lot of people being like, yeah, you know what, now I had this time working from home, I could put it into myself. So I think actually, you know, the fitness center, I think, will will boom, especially gyms and class and things after this, because people have start. You got to think about yes, people have maybe stopped doing the classes, but I think we're going to have a lot of new people who weren't exercising before this that have maybe got into running for their mental health, doing some home workouts because they just had so much time. They're like, well, I might as well fill it with something good. Who will continue this now moving forward to join things, you know, like Barry's boot camp, gyms, all these different classes and things. But also, I think it will be slow, yes, because of people will, they kind of get out of, you know, I can think of a class that goes on at our gym that had a massive community and that community is kind of dissipated. But I have no kind of like worry that I think once it starts up and once people maybe just get a little bit of an inkling back into it again, they'll realize what they missed, why they enjoyed it, and they will just go back to it. Because at the end of the day, they they loved it with or without COVID. I don't see why it would suddenly change. You know what I mean? You're either a group class person or you're not. And I think you don't really change. Like I know all the people that used to do my circuit class and they would occasionally try to go in the gym and do their own thing here and there. And they would never stick with it, but they'd stick with their circuit classes three days a week because that's what they enjoyed. 
I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be in, an interesting transition, but I do think you're right. We will be able to get back probably to a place where everyone's going to finally find their comfort in the way that we're living now and just be excited to move again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think as well is, I, I think people have realized a, a, a whole new level, how much accountability they need and not even just in fitness. I think literally across the board, I think with, with, uh, even work, I've, I've got some friends that are absolutely buzzing to get back to the office and they've never been a person in their life that has said, I can't wait to go to the office. It's just a, a whole other level of accountability that people realise that they need. And I think, I, I think, Ryan, I completely agree. I think it will take time. I think it will definitely take time because there's going to be those people that are like, slightly apprehensive with maybe getting so close and personal and like you said like like sweating around each other but i think down the line in maybe like even if we're talking like three to five years mm -hmm. i think it will be a real a real boom for sure um again i, I think we all hope that don't we I hope yeah we do truly hope that it does go that way yeah so Bring us up to speed with kind of, we obviously went off slightly there. <laughs> so where we got to was you had your dream, you landed, you landed the work, you were working there, COVID, or you, you got pregnant, COVID hit. Moved home. Take it from there. Oh, well, um, yeah, it basically, it hit obviously around last March. And so we were back in Toronto by then I was obviously at home with baby and being that my husband was working remotely, he was home with me too. So it kind of just became a really tough decision because we didn't know how long everything was going to last. We didn't know if it was going to be one month or a year. And I was devastated. I mm. did not want to come home. I did not want to move back, but it was kind of a choice where it was his work. And this is what's paying our bills versus me being on Maui, not necessarily being back at work yet. It just didn't make sense for us to stay in Toronto. So we made the tough choice to move back um, again, in my mind, hoping it was going to be temporary, but not um, sure how long it was going to last. And so we came back and that was just sort of a, a interesting challenge in itself because we've come back not only to a different city, but a different home and now with a new baby. And then you take out all the things that we're used to out of it as well. So for me, where I found it was really challenging was obviously I had no help with the baby because we couldn't see anybody. So, you know, even the draw of being back in a city where my parents lived and having them be able to come help out and, you know, give me a hand that wasn't really on the table anymore. So it was not just like full-time mom life, but full-time, full-time, full-time mom life is what it felt like. And then to not have the release that I was used to was a really interesting shift as well, because there's a lot of pressure in the fitness industry to I'll put in quotations, bounce back. And mm -hmm. I hate that word so much. Um, but you have a baby and obviously society feels as though women need to be back in shape immediately, which is incredible when you think about what their bodies actually go through and how long it takes to grow a human versus how long it's expected to go back to normal. And especially, I think I felt a lot of pressure because, um, you know, being as someone who teaches fitness, I think the pressure to always be in the best shape as possible is constantly there underlined. And it doesn't even have to be said. It's just people as surprising as it is, choose a lot of workouts and classes, um, 
based on how people look and they think, well, that person's in great shape. I'm going to choose them to get me in shape. And every single body's different. So for me, it was just feeling like I needed to have abs again and Mm -hmm. feeling like I needed to drop this weight. And then it was just a big, a big adjustment when I realized that, okay, I hit my, we'll say again, pre-pregnancy weight. And I looked at my body and I was like, okay, this, this is not what I'm used to. This isn't what I remember. And it was just more like affirming to me that, you know, this number is not what needs to define me and I can't, and we don't need to focus on it. I think we've been getting a lot better, um, as society in general, trying to steer away from looking at just what a number on a scale says. And instead thinking about how we feel and, um, how happy we are when we wake up in the morning. And if we look in the mirror, if we like what we see, or if we're just, you know, accepting of what's there. So it was changing my thoughts behind being able to be everything for my career, but to now being everything for somebody else, but still giving back to myself. So just kind of been back home. And from there, I was working on trying to obviously work out in amidst having a baby. So there was a lot of like sitting her on the ground, doing like three reps of something and then grabbing her, trying to feed her and, you know, work through nap times. But I recently started back at a studio here in the city. So I'm teaching spin again here and have been doing online boot camps and classes through Instagram and doing challenges along the way. So again, diving into the online platforms, I guess. Mm -hmm. And how did you stay motivated? Obviously, you know, when you had the baby, you take time off. Because I think that's something that kind of comes apparent as well, is that like getting back into it can quite often be a little bit of a struggle. Um, So how did you find... Obviously, you know, for for people like, oh, you're a trainer, you're always motivated. I'm like, we're not. Like, there can be days. And I'm like, I want to get a tub and bed and Jerry's. I want to sit in bed and I just want to watch Netflix all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you have to find a way to balance doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing is just being understanding because there were days that I think for me, I was motivated because moving my body makes me feel better. It mm-hmm. makes me feel good. I'm not necessarily in this for the aesthetics. I'm in it because it literally makes me feel human and alive and able to take on all of the struggles and challenges that do come up in a day. So working out was always an outlet for that. And Mm -hmm. it was more actually adjusting to, instead of me feeling unmotivated, it was, okay, how can I still get this in while not taking away from all the other things I need to do? So um, motivation in terms of that was just like, if you're tired, if I was tired, moving my body is what gave me energy. You know, I think when we get into that spiral of, like you say, Ben and Jerry's and watching Netflix, that actually makes us feel a little bit more sluggish, a little bit more tired. And then I feel further back than when I started, but an option to flip that would obviously be to watch Netflix while you work out and throw Mm. it on while you're going for a walk or something, listen to it in your Mm. headphones. But it's been me, the motivation really is to be there for my daughter and to make sure that I'm healthy for her and being able to, you know, lean, lean over her crib and lift her up and not mm-hmm. throw up my back or to be able to run after her in the house when she's trying to grab something and doing all the things that it takes mobility wise to be able to, you know, be there for her, but also feel good for myself. Cause if I feel good, then I'm going to be able to give more. The more I fill my cup up, the more I can fill others. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of women often forget men as well is that if you don't give some time to yourself and you try to give it to everyone else you will take a back seat and so will your health and this is one of the most important Mm -hmm. things is i'm always like if you give 100 to everyone else and don't give any time to yourself you're not able to give a good 
like version of you, if that makes sense. You know, the healthier you are, the more that you look after yourself, the better at giving you can be to everyone else because you are optimal. You know, you can run around with your daughter better. You can pick her up and throw her around and do all these different things. And I think we often forget that side of it. You're like, oh yeah, but I just need to keep doing this. And it's like, but imagine if you could do all of that better by actually giving yourself some time and some due care and attention. And everyone's like, oh, I never thought about it like that. And it's really interesting how you were like, no, that's totally what crossed my mind is I was like, if I can be the best version of me, I can give the best version of me to everyone else as well. Yeah. And I think that was one of the hurdles I overcame a lot when we obviously had her. I was always, you know, an avid exerciser and mm-hmm. loved to work out. And I was constantly trying to push myself and, you know, take it to the next level and accomplish this goal and this goal and this goal. And if anything, though, becoming a mom helped me scale back almost in a healthy way, though, because I think I was becoming almost over obsessive with it. And I, you know, you'd go to do two, three workouts in a day and you teach three classes, but then take one. And it was almost like a badge of honor back in the day is the way my mindset was. It was like, I was almost proud that I was overworking myself and overtraining because it meant I was succeeding and accomplishing goals. Whereas it's been a really nice adjustment to realize that, oh no, I can take two days off in a row. And I actually can come back more refreshed and feeling better and stronger mentally, not just physically and emotionally as well. And that's been probably the biggest lesson I've learned since having her is that it's not about how many workouts you do. It's about the quality of each day and the workouts that you can put in great and they make you feel better, but it's not pushing through. Isn't necessarily a good thing. But I can, you can almost, I mean, you can definitely tell as well, like your, your priorities have shifted. Like your priority, what was pre um, your child is completely different to what it is post. Um, so your, I'd even say like your want and needs has shifted slightly. So the actual, your want to go out and work out every single day is probably there to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But now you've got another priority, which is much, much higher than you working out. And I feel like you've done a really, really good job at it, job at accepting that. And I think a lot of people really struggle. Um, I've had some conversations um, with people and they've really, really struggled with that process of like, they've tried to go back to doing everything that they were doing post-baby, uh, pre-baby, sorry. And it's like, I mean, you can do, but who what, does it really benefit you that much? Like, is 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 that really your priority still? And I mean, more more often than not, it's 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 not the it's not the answer. Yeah. So I think you've done a really good job at doing that. Well, thank you, and I think the what you're saying there um, makes complete sense. But I think the what happens is you shift because you have to. So it's almost like you can resist it all you want, but you're still just going to be pushing against the brick wall. That's not going to move. So Mm -hmm. I know I would love to work out probably sometimes more than I do, or sometimes less than I do, but you're again, once you have this baby, it's your needs definitely always do have to take a backseat now. So before I think I didn't realize how much space and time I had to do the things I wanted without having to really like consult anything. It was just like, you do what you want to do. And now Mm. I have to do what she needs me to do. And in and around that, how can I still give to myself? So it's just 
finding the ways to still give to you, but knowing that this person is going to need you first, I think. Yeah, of course. How do you, um, how do you get around? Cause I know a common thing, um, is say, you know, you've had a, you, you've planned, you've got all of best intentions in the world to, you know, maybe squeeze in a workout one day. Um, but you've just had no sleep whatsoever. You're absolutely knackered. Like how would you juggle all of that? Are you much more accepting of yourself now or do you just like try and cram it? Away? <laughs> um, I'm much more understanding of myself for sure. I do try to get it done most of the days just because <laughs> I know that no matter how tired I feel, that usually gives me the energy. So it's like the starting point is going to be the struggle, the putting the gym clothes on, the tying up your shoes, the diving in. But as soon as you start to get a couple reps in or start moving, the blood starts flowing and the endorphins build up and you just, you do feel better. I believe I feel better um, after I've done. I don't think there's ever really been a time where I did a workout and was like, nope, shouldn't have done it. I don't, didn't feel good after. Um, but I think that there is space to just change what you're doing because it doesn't have to be the world's best workout. It doesn't have to be super high intensity. You don't have to hit, you know, personal bests or, you know, run an extra mile. It could be something so simple as taking some time to do some mobility work or some yoga and, or doing a, even a meditation that is still working your mind. You know, we don't have to just work out the body. We can, um, do different things to kind of fire us back up, but it doesn't always have to be in the most aggressive kind of intense workout way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important as well, like what Ryan said right at the beginning, going back and understanding that there is no rule book. There is no rule book to follow here and there is no right or wrong approach. So, you know, if if maybe you're sitting here and you're listening and you're like, oh, do you know what? I should probably just, just go up and do it and, and get it done. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the right approach for you because, you know, you as an individual is, is going to be very, very different to everyone's, again, wants and needs. Um, so it's it's finding what works for you and um christy's obviously found something that perfectly aligns with with yourself right mm -hmm. and you, you've you, i mean you're probably still finding to this day right that you're still adapting it oh it's They're still incredible just i think the biggest thing i've taken away from it is how my strength has shifted completely and i don't have the same abilities and it's been over a year now and the amount that I can lift the length that I can work out for I've now become a huge fan of like 20 minute classes and 30 minute classes and those small <laughs> workouts so that being said like I'm not saying like go big or go home like you, you'll feel better after it's more like everything about what you do has to make sense and I think for me like I'm now I used to love hour-long workouts and I couldn't even barely imagine doing an hour right now, but those little kind of nuggets in between, like my current favorite right now is, um, we just got a treadmill. And so when she naps, um, I hop on the tread because obviously I can't go for a run outside. So I hop on there and I still have not done longer than a 20 minute class, but it's just like, you know, a nice long warm up, a little run, and then a cool down. And it just kind of refreshes you. But I think taking moments in those nap times. Like, so I utilize nap times a lot, obviously to get most of my things done, but sometimes that means yeah. sitting on your phone and catching up on messages that you haven't had a chance to get to all day. Sometimes that mm. means making yourself lunch. Like that's been, um, hard because I know it seems like when kids nap, Oh great. That's when you can get all your stuff done. But it's like, 
I just need to even get food in my belly and I need to clean it up the house and tidy up the toys. So all of those things are still accomplishing things along the ways, as long as you're, you know, you're nourishing your body, your mind, your soul, and all the things that are going to make you feel better throughout the day. I think that's such a credit to you as well. And I think this is one thing that kind of always highlights on, on, I suppose every level is expectations. You know, we started talking about it earlier on. It's like everyone assumes that because we're in the fitness industry, we're going to walk around shredded with six packs 24 seven. And that all we eat is like chicken, rice and broccoli. Like me and Hayden has spoken about this before. It's like to be really, really lean, like takes a lot of work for the most time. You have to stay on top of it. Like you have to be diligent for a lot of the time. And even now when we have like a takeaway of people like still shocked that I'm obsessed with like ice cream and cookie dough. They're like, but how do you get away with that? And I'm like, because you can have those stuff. This is these expectations that society has set upon us that, you know, you're a, you're a bootcamp trainer, right, Christy? Like you walk around shredded 24 seven, you've had a baby, you should be bouncing back within a week. And it's like, this is where I think people get these expectations. And when it doesn't happen, that's then so demotivating because they're like, well, hold on. Like, I thought that my body was just going to bounce back after, you know, um, I've had a baby and this, that, and the other. And when things don't go the way we expect it, that's when we start to kind of, I think, let things almost spiral in a, in a negative way of them beating up. We beat ourselves up. You know, we think like, oh, you know, we're not good enough. Like we should have been back by now. You know, I had a baby three months ago and I'm still not where I wanted to be after that. And I think you've done a very good job at like managing those expectations, you know, like I think we all feel it as like trainers, nutritionists, whatever, that pressure to look a certain way and be a certain yeah. way. And it's so, you know, Hayden will probably agree. He's probably fallen into it. I've fallen into it. I know that I've done it, got absolutely shredded and it was horrendous. I felt awful. Like I literally felt awful and I was like, never again. And that's when I think it's so credit to those that do manage to kind of like, you know, put that to one side and actually be like, you know what? We've actually got, got to take into real life as well. Absolutely. Because it's, mm. if it doesn't feel like it's possible to continue long-term, it's not going mm. to be able to be continued long-term. So for me, it is about, you know, having understanding with what you eat and, you know, enjoying a couple of beverages on the weekend and finding ways to enjoy all the things you enjoy, but mm. not let it completely derail all the things you want. And I just want to touch on, you were saying how it seems like I have such a good perspective and understanding and I've, you know, adjusted well. I don't want to say that it came easy. Um, this has been like an extreme challenge for me mentally because I did yeah. put so much um, emphasis on the way I looked before because it was my job. My job mm -hmm. was to be in shape. And so coming through pregnancy, it was it was overwhelming for me, the way my body was changing and I didn't have any control over it. Again, I spoke about this with you guys earlier. I, I was always a big planner and I liked control. I liked being in charge of things because if I knew I was in the driver's seat, I knew how I could, you know, steer the car. And when pregnancy happens, it's not up to you anymore. And same with postpartum, you have no idea the way your body's going to react or change or come back. And it was months before I could even do like, of push up. I, I still do a lot of push ups from my knees a year later. And same with, you know, certain moves. Like I can do leg moves where I maybe am using like one sixth of the amount of weight that I would use before. My body just lost a lot of strength. And so that was um, like I had to accept that it wasn't going to be the way it was. And I felt stronger at 40 weeks pregnant than I did, you know, six months postpartum. But that's part of the journey is, you know, we have to find ways to appreciate what did happen. And yes, our bodies 
look different, but that's because they are different. Things completely change and they're not going to go back to the exact same way they were. And I've had to put my past fears aside and my past mindsets aside to be appreciative of my body and what it can still do. Not, it's not the same body it was, you know, before I had my baby, it's the body it is now. And the way that I'm accomplishing things, it doesn't have to be compared to how I accomplished them two years ago. It's a new accomplishment. It's a new goal and it's just a new journey. Yeah. And how did you, Oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, how did you actually, um, like get around that? Because you were saying that, you know, you did have these struggles, how did you deal with those? I think for me, it was, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I care a lot, I think, about what people think unintentionally. I've always been a big people pleaser. So for me, I'm just always, I think, putting projections um, out there. So maybe the pressure that I feel on myself, I'm assuming others are thinking of me as well. And it took time. And I think I'm still you know, dealing with it. So I I don't want to say I overcame it because there's still days where, you know, I'll do an ab move and my stomach folds and rolls and creases because it was stretched out skin and I can have abs in one picture and the next I feel like it looks like I could be pregnant again. But that's the thing is, is that perception is, isn't ideal because it's not realistic. So Mm -hmm. the images that we see, I think I had to continually tell myself like, what standard am I trying to live up to? And why do I want to be there? I want to be, I want people to feel safe with me. I want them to feel comfortable with me and know that I I can go through these struggles too. And it doesn't mean I have it all figured out. And this is just who I am. So people work with me or they come to my classes. Like I'm not trying to put on a facade. I I struggle too. And I, I don't have the answer saying this is how I overcame it, but it's just about one day at a time, accepting what my body went through, being so appreciative for what it gave me and knowing that it's, stronger even if it doesn't feel that way it's that's been my biggest thing is just i don't need to think about all the things that i have that are weaknesses or failures or setbacks instead i'm trying to focus on all the things that i'm gaining and all the strength that i'm you know building along the way in this new body you know yeah see but to me like that's almost like the perfect answer because you're openly you're openly saying like i'm not, I, I, i'm not saying i'm perfect i'm not saying i've overcome this straight away like i'm still actively dealing with these things right mm-hmm. now but i'm just taking one day at a time and overcoming it in the best way that i see fit there and then that's I what we that's tell awesome. our clients as well it's like take it day by day things are going to get thrown at you there is no perfect journey it's like you've got to roll with the punches and then just accept what will be and give yourself some slack. Like our inner dialogue as society is so sideways sometimes of how harsh we are on each other. And we expect these things. And it's like, would you ever talk to your best friend like that? Would you ever expect that? Be like, come on, you got to get your body in shape. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it's like, no, you wouldn't. Cause they tell you to do one and they probably wouldn't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you say that to yourself and expect a completely different outcome. And then when it's not a different outcome, we wonder why we are. And before I forget, I wanted to kind of throw it back slightly. And, and I'm always interested in this, talking about society and expectations. You obviously come from a dancing background, right? That was kind of like where you were. What were the kind of, and you might have not experienced, what were the kind of body image and expectations as a dancer? Yeah, I know your face blew then <laughs> when you were younger. Because I've heard some crazy stories about like, you know, girls being what, like, for those of you, like my other half, she's been a dancer. And there's some crazy stories about like getting weighed, being a certain way to look. How did you find those pressures in that dancing world 
um, all those years ago, if that makes sense. Just kind of completely changing direction here because it really <laughs> That's interests okay. me. Yeah, you know. What dance we do? I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think it was definitely there. And mm-hmm. my dance teacher growing up was the most old school. So I think there's not as much that's accepted nowadays. So things have changed, yeah. I think, since back when I was younger. So she was scary, if I'm being quite honest. Like, she made people cry weekly, mm. daily. Um, was she like this Trunchable like, from Matilda? seriously there was one time she'd say like she would say to a girl like oh it looks like someone had mcdonald's for dinner and like because you could see it through her leotard and like Jeez. yeah like, she, it was vicious and i think i don't want to say i didn't feel the pressure um to do that necessarily but that's not totally true mm-hmm. i was naturally smaller I was always a very small petite um person growing up like i was always the, the shortest in school and so just by default, just like having my mom's genetics, I wasn't ever really overweight or out of shape growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we dance like, you know, six days a week, we're yeah. obviously doing a lot of exercise, but that doesn't mean like I didn't feel the pressure to do it. Like my very first memories of ex- exercising were, oh gosh, I got you. Sorry. Um, my very first memories of <laughs> exercising were, you know, when I was probably like eight years old and doing Tai Bo in the living room with my mom and we'd come home from like junior high and I'd after school go downstairs and we do Stotts Pilates DV, like, sorry, VHSs at the time. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, my sister and like, we'd always like be like, Oh, we got to do our abs. We got to do our abs. And we would do like our five minute ab series, like from, you know, this is like eight years old. Like you're mm. growing up thinking like, I need abs. I need to be thin. And, you know, not fortunately for me, but fortunately for me, I didn't have to work extra hard to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But the girls who did struggle with a little bit more with um, just, you know, depending on their body type, if it not fitting the ideals, there was a lot of pressure. And I wouldn't say it, adjust, it affected people like getting leads or roles or solos or anything, but there was always the constant like underlying, like you need to be yeah. in shape and able to jump and lift. And so the few girls that, you know, struggled with that the most. I think there's always issues of like eating disorders, of course, Mm -hmm. and, you know, body image dysmorphia and like all those different sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in the industry growing up, it's, you're always conscious of how you look and what you need to feel like you need to meet. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. There's expectations everywhere. You know, you see it across all parts of society as like a fitness trainer. There's a certain way to look as a dancer. There's a certain way to look as a gym, whatever it is, there's these expectations which are set. And I think often, you know, some of these can, and I always say, you know, most people tend to get, you know, if they struggle with their weight, a lot of it comes down to like, you know, full transparency. And some people probably don't like saying it, but it's the parents. Like when you're at a young age, they're in control of what they're feeding you. So sometimes it's a lot of like habits that have just been picked up from parents. You know, they've seen them doing X, Y, Z. Did you see quite a lot of, um, you know, because what age did you dance up until? I danced from three up until about t- maybe 20. How did you see it grow? Like, especially kind of you're talking like, you know, uh, younger teenage girls growing up. How did you see that prevalent with the way that you had to look and, and those sorts of things? Because <clears throat> it's obviously a kind oh, of typical I- thing anyway, let alone being in the dancing world. It's kind of then like, I presume twice as much kind of like pressure to look a certain way 
Yeah, I think there the pressure was always going to be there. And I think it's been though that we're like obviously not in a major city and you're not going to be having these options for big roles. Um, you know, obviously we're not in LA or New York and things like that. So it's very like local fit, uh, local dance success. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit on a lesser scale. I don't think it was as intense as if you were like going to like real auditions for like commercials or music videos, but it was just, I think the transition that I noticed the most, like through the teenage years, as you mentioned and stuff was just when you add in what teenagers do, which is a lot of teenagers start to drink and they start to go out with friends and they start to, you know, have enjoy it. Like, you know, they go out for fast food because they have their licenses now and they're driving and they're going out with friends. So I think that that was like a big hurdle for a lot of people because their body started changing as women were going through puberty and becoming women. And, you know, again, in dance, it's so often that like you need to be flat tested and like, you know, more like a stick versus like having curves. So, um, it's definitely, it was challenging for people to feel like they were doing something wrong when it was just their body's natural progression. Um, but I mean, it was just, I don't want to say that's the way it was, but it it was the way it was. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I think there's, things are very different now and, you know, people aren't as, um, aggressive, I think as a black dance teacher Mm -hmm. was back then, but there was a lot more that was, that was done. That wasn't acceptable. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that have shifted, thankfully, I think for the good, but it doesn't mean that the the bullying and the pressures are not still there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how did how, I mean, we can totally cut this out if you don't want to say, but how did you deal with that? Did you get caught up in any of that or were you managed to be pretty kind of like level-headed through it and it never impacted you and you just saw it around you? Because when it's all going on around you, like you can get, I can imagine you can get sucked in. Do you know what I mean? Like really kind of drawn into all of that of what everyone else is doing around you and be like, oh, well, I better do it as well. Yeah, I think I... I don't want to say I've always had like a healthy relationship with food because that would be a lie, but mm-hmm. I certainly, I didn't have, like, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder by any means or mm. um, go through anything of that. I, I definitely know there were times like I've been through, I think like every single girl growing up, you know, starting to track calories and checking what you're eating and all the packages and making sure you know what you're having and working out extra if you feel like you indulged. And mm. I think that that's what you when we're younger, we don't, I, I don't want to say we don't now, but back then I feel like I didn't have the resources to know what was better. Um, when I started going to the gym, I went, you know, when I was like 15 years old with my sister's boyfriend and I'd go on the elliptical for an hour and then do some crunches thinking that that was the way to train <laughs> and to stay and to get in shape. But Hayden um, still does that. I th- and i thought it was the coolest thing when i'd go forward on the elliptical and then back on the elliptical because you know you're switching it up that's Um, mind-boggling anyone that can anyone that's listening this and you christy that can go backwards on an elliptical that blows my mind i've tried it and i'm all over the show i'm like sausage arms i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) i mean i can't say i've been on the elliptical in many 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 years but i think for me it was just more I definitely felt like I needed to stay in shape. And I, I know that I was wrapped up in it of like, you know, it's so easy to say I I'm so fat and, Oh, I need to lose weight and all oh, my stomach sticking out. And I think that that's the problem is I guess when you're asking if I was wrapped up in it or if I got pulled into it, I would say, yeah, because of mm-hmm. those things. Like I know when I was a kid, I would always say that I was big or fat or needed to lose weight when I a hundred percent did not. So yeah. 
I'll say I got pulled into it in, in a bad way where, and then I didn't, I think being so young and naive and immature, I wasn't a cognitive of how my words were affecting people who weren't in that position. So mm-hmm. I, I had that issue come up and it's, you know, it was tough, but I, I was young and stupid. And I think for me, it was like, if I said that it was like, I think maybe it was like a self-conscious thing. Like I almost wanted people to be like, no, you're not. But mm-hmm. being so young, you almost just, you're trying to, yeah, you need that reassurance to be like, oh no, you are, you're fine. And you're, you're good. Um, but very long time ago. But it's your, it's, mm-hmm. it's your environment. And so you don't know any different. Like if you're surrounded by people that are all doing exactly the same thing, it's, it's just seems logical to you. It's like, if you think back to uh, like years and years and years ago, when like nowadays, uh, a parent can tell their kid like the way that you need to lose fat is to cut out carbohydrates. But they now have YouTube, Google, Instagram, Facebook, like all of these platforms to go and do their own research and come to a conclusion by themselves. But back then, like we're talking like even like 20, 30 years ago, the only information that you were available was to what your parents were telling mm-hmm. you. It's not like you, unless you wanted to go and walk to the shop and maybe try and find an article in a newspaper or something like that. It's not going to happen. Like it's only passed down through what you're told. So, I know we, uh, I know we said, you know, like your your parents definitely have a massive influence on like what we all do, but they're also influenced by what's been passed down to them, and then what's back down past them. So, I think we're in quite an exciting time, to be honest. Where I think over the next like ten to twenty years, especially, like there's there's going to be an awful lot of change with how things are run. Like there's still bizarrely so much misinformation out there which is dangerous in itself but at the same time there's so much good information that is now present and like like i said the availability to do your own research is so 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 much easier than it was previously so i do think we're going to be more of uh we're going to be more educated as we do um as we do grow and society grows, but it's um yes. Yeah, I don't know really why that popped that popped into my head when you were talking about the <laughs> just want to tell um, there, didn't you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I was I was literally just thinking, and I was and like, what what? And I appreciate you opening up about that. I I just it's, I think it's really interesting to kind of dive into, you know, because that will still be going on now. You know, kids will be dancing. Kids are very aware. Kids are having social media at the age of you know I you might not know, but I've said before, Christy, that like. I've had girls as young as like 13, 14 in my inboxes sending, I still remember this and I'll never forget this. Some young girl, she was like, I'm, I'm, uh, hi Ryan, I'm 14. I just wanted to get in, get in better shape. Sent me a picture of a celebrity with extreme curves, which was someone else's like genetic mock-up. I'm like, you, you, that, that's her hip shape. That's, you can't just get that. Saying, hey, I, I, I just wondered if you can give me any exercise or foods to eat to look like this. She was 14 years old. It broke my heart because I was like, at 14, I didn't even have a phone. I used to like playing football, like, and I was probably too busy trying to play kiss chase around the playground. Like those were the kind of fun things that I used to do back in that day, not be on social media, trying to make my body look like so someone else. Now. And this is what I think is the scary thing as well is from such a young age that, that like from back, obviously like when we were younger, it was present, but it was present in like a different aspect. Whereas you've probably still got that, you know, models and I remember a model at our gym, she literally said that her agency had said that she needs to lose two inches off of her hips. This girl was so skinny. I was just like, you have no body fat on your, like she was, I was like, there's no body fat on there. I was like, unless you're going to shave your hips, I was like, you will never meet 
the actual like physical criteria that your modeling agency want in the dance world, the acting world, there's always look this certain way. How did yeah. you, how did, I suppose my thing kind of going off on a tangent there, but how, how did you transfer from obviously uh, dancing was the thing that kept you in shape to then training? Is that kind of like, how did your passion become into, into fitness almost? How did that develop into that? Yeah. So that's basically how it happened was I decided to stop dancing because I initially wanted to pursue it. And then because I couldn't, I didn't move um, from my city, there was really no opportunity here. So I decided to stop dancing and just be a regular human work and uh, go to school and those things. So it was literally an attempt to figure out a way to stay in shape mm -hmm. outside of not having dance anymore. So I did start at the gym and I've had personal trainers before and I had had one for a while. So it was really through me getting a personal trainer, working out at the gym that I started to enjoy working out more. And it was when I took my first uh, T-Rex group class, actually, that I was like falling in love with group fitness. And then it kind of steamrolled yeah. from there. So I got my personal training certification, my TRX uh, certification. I started teaching that and then a spin studio opened to where I lived. And then that kind of steamrolled from there and it kind of started weaving in and out. It, it was almost, um, I don't want to say I've, I've been lucky by any means, but it almost feels like every opportunity that keeps happening in my life is like happening for a reason. It kind of just feels like it's weaving this weird little web that it kind of goes from one thing to the other in a weird fashion and not to say it's seamless. It's been challenging, but it just kind of feels like the natural progression in the way that it's been needing to go. So I just really found, um, I think for me, it was like, I liked, I started working out and I liked the way it made me feel. And I found, um, enjoyment in the gym. And then when I combined that with finding group with finding group fitness, it was marrying the two together. So it was like the dance aspect that I was so familiar with moving to the beat, loud music, um, feeling emotions like through uh, movement. And then you bring in the strength and like the working out at the gym that I liked so much, it literally married the two together. So that's mm. when you think of going to a spin class, you're moving to the music, the music's to the beat, you add choreography the way we do in dance. And so it kind of just it was almost like something I never anticipated happening or saw for myself, but it just kind of happened organically. I love that. That's so mm. cool. That's why um, uh, Zumba had that massive boom, wasn't it? Like right at the beginning, because they were like, it was, it's the thing that no one had ever seen before of like, it being like, well, especially it being branded fitness and dancing, like together in the same thing. It was actually like an exercise class of dancing. Yeah. Um, it just went crazy. Literally that boomed when, I did my personal training. I remember um, that was like the first real hit of it. I think um, it's because people underestimate yes. how many, like how much you burn dancing. Like dancing is hard work. Like <laughs> you give you give me five pints and you get me on the dance floor in a nightclub and I'm sweating by the end of it because I'm cracking out all sorts of shapes. Like I'm burning some serious calories right there. Working off those beers. Yeah, I think it's just. <laughs> Just, just something that they've never seen before. It's um, and then you like all these transitions now, like you said, like Barry's, and you've got these. Uh, there's literally a spin class down the road from where I am at the moment. And when it was actually open, um, obviously in in the middle of the COVID part, um, I didn't even know it was open. It was literally pitch black, and then you just get like strobe lights like pop up from nowhere, and then like it would flash on, and then everyone's down on the floor like with dumbbells. I'm like, are you in the spin class? Are you in the are you on the bike? Are you doing the work? I don't know what's happening here. But yeah, it was like an all of a mixture. Yeah, definitely a good mixture. I think that's why it's it's so enjoyable. And I think it doesn't even end up feeling like 
work. I think that that's where I've found a way that it, when you're asking me earlier about how I stay motivated, um, I think that that's what it is, is I've found something that doesn't feel like work to me, even though it's hard in the moment, even though you have to push yourself in like in, in each moment and you have to find that intensity. Um, it, it's so fun. It's just fun. And I think I found something that brings me joy and makes me feel alive. And so when I go, it's like, it's not about, Oh, I guess I got to work out again. I got to push through this. It's like, sweet. Can't wait for another class or, and I mean, I still work out at home and just like, you know, lift weights and do things like that. Um, with like Quinn likes to come up in the gym and she'll sit on the floor and play with some toys. (laughs) So that's the way I make it work too, is just, uh, you know, keeping them entertained while you work out. And she likes to actually work out as well. She picked up a five pound dumbbell the other day. She is just over one (laughs) and likes to squat. She squats a lot. So, um, I think she already, she worked out, (laughs) she worked out so much. I think when, um, she was in my belly, I was teaching like sometimes 18 classes a week when I was pregnant with her. So she's used to moving to music. Love that. that. (laughs) And that's like baby's mechanics are incredible. They just sit in a squat with ease, man. Like that is, that is like the perfect squat. Like you, we all can do it at one part in our lives. It's just, we become (laughs) tight desk sitting individuals. And then that's when we can't squat like that anymore. And it doesn't favor us. Exactly. Mm. So when you, this, cause we have literally, we have gone from your beginning to where you are now, back to the beginning, middle. So we kind of jumped everywhere, but we're going to jump again. Why not? Eh? And um, when you last finished, you were saying, so you've, you've, you've come back and you've now, did you say you've just started up an, another boot or a new boot so camp? So there's or? a studio here in the city um, in Winnipeg called Wheelhouse Cycle Club. And so I have been teaching spin classes there and they have an online platform as well since COVID hit. So they really rallied and um, spent a lot of time and money creating this incredible uh, platform. And they have at least like 20 live classes every week. And I recently just launched with them an off the bike program. So we do um, full strength workouts. So upper body, lower body, full body, all that sort of stuff too, but with the same kind of excitement and lighting and music and energy of like a typical spin class, but, um, just trying to marry the two together between the cardio and the strength. So I've been working there here. And then I've also been doing just personal online, um, workout challenges for the last five months, um, which has been a really fun way to still connect with people outside of not being anywhere outside. <laughs> so just like working out from home and it's been nice. Cause I've been able to juggle that. I think we, when we talked about earlier, um, just juggling having Quinn and being at home, um, without, with my husband being at work and trying to figure out fitting in my workouts and working. Um, cause obviously we don't have daycare right now, but it's been a nice addition because I can go upstairs. I can film a workout while they're downstairs cooking dinner, or, um, I can get up early. I do a 6am class while she's still sleeping and things like that straight from home. Are you like fully settled now or when COVID is, is completely over, are you heading back to Toronto or are you <gasps> do it? The dreaded question. <laughs> if, it was, it. if it was up to me, I would move tomorrow. I would move in the middle of the night right now. My husband as well. He and I both love Toronto a lot. Um, but I think we will be here for at least uh, a little while longer, a couple more years. He owns, um, he has a business here and then just started another business. Um, he just opened a brewery with a friend of his. So they, uh, they're like, they just, they've had it operating for a couple of years now out of a different space, but they just put a lease in on a new building. So they're building a tap room. And that's cool. while that's all picking up, he's kind of 
busy with that, but he's got big dreams to expand into like the wine scene. And he wants to like, you know, travel, go to Europe and work on like during the harvest season and things like that. So do they have we both have dreams. Uh, they do. Yeah. It's low life Shout barrel out. house. Was it called? <laughs> low life barrel house. Low life barrel house team. Go check it out yeah. for your <laughs> beverage. beverage yeah. I, know. I was literally like, well, I'm going to check it out now. I'm going to see what I they, get. I'm not like, I don't even want to say I'm biased. They're, they're really good. They are super eclectic. They, they experiment with a lot of like fooder aged beers and using a lot of Brett and uh, they've just kind of experimented using different grapes and making piquettes and wine beer hybrids and things like that. So they're, they're very out, oh, out of the box, yeah. but um, Do they yeah, ship so to I think the maybe the goal. We, uh, I don't think currently, but we would, I bet, because um, I know long term, their their goal is to try and expand and maybe open a location and, okay. you know, like somewhere. We'll like slide the UK. into his. He talks about it all the time because that's a way around the visa thing. Is I think if you open a business in the UK, they'll like waive the visa thing. I think yeah, yeah. he's trust me, he's done a lot of research because our goal can... <laughs> was initially to move to the UK, and then we ended up in Toronto instead because of the visa situation. A little bit easier. I can. Yeah, I can tell you now, if you pitch to the UK about opening anything beer alcohol related, you are in straight away. So I've got beer, they're like, okay, cool. So when are you booking your flights? Like, come over, bring the brewery, bring everything. The UK's open for you. Um, I love it. Was it a hobby of his? Is that how it started? Or was it it an actual like, right, I can see a gap in the market? Was it like, this is... I, I, I say this because I'm like... I. I think I said to you, Ryan, the other day, I was like, I almost would love just a little hobby side thing that is just complete pure fun, like something like that. Uh, and I think like those are the business that often like completely like take off because you don't have any set expectations yeah. for them or whatsoever. You just do it because you would purely enjoy it and then it just boom. Yeah, it was just a completely like kind of side experiment thing him and his friend this is before there was a like any craft breweries in our city and they're like let's just try making beer in your basement one day so they like did some experimenting and it didn't taste horrible so his friend's like i'm gonna start a brewery and at the time um we weren't like you know sitting on a couple extra 100k so we're like "Eh, i don't know like maybe you should just do it and so we had planned to move to toronto and his friend started a brewery and it took off. And so now his friend who he let my husband likes to brag that his successful friend's brewery, the original <laughs> oatmeal stout recipe is his, my husband's, but they, uh, they kind of, their brewery is very, um, it's, I don't want to say it's more mainstream, but it's, um, it's very structured and like they have a certain vibe. And so they kind of got back together to make this side project, which is like them doing their passion, just like experimenting on the weirdest things. And it's kind of just taken off. We're t- we're yeah, tag them that. in the uh, in the description to this podcast along with yourself. Oh, he's gonna worry. love that. Well, Push he he's a he keeps speaking me because he got asked to do a podcast. I think next week on some beer podcast, and he was thinking he was a big shot. He's like, I'm doing a podcast. I'm like, well, so am I. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I beat him to the punch. I thankfully, I got say, in first. You beat him. You beat him. So yeah. uh, I I'd claim all winners' rights on this one. All winners' <laughs> rights. Um, so as a little, we're kind of approaching, I think we're over there mark now, aren't we? I'm not About sure what we're 10. at. Um, yeah, but as, as we, um, as we're kind of coming to like the closing statements and stuff, the, the one thing that I'd love the listeners to kind of, uh, this is, this is not throwing Hayden you under the bus slightly, but putting you, putting you on the spot. Guest under the bus and goes, okay, tell me your top three, 
a bits of advice for something and everyone's like uh and i'm like it's so oh, nasty no. i know we should have what's your 10 year life what's your top three beers from the brewery tell us now yeah no I, I, you know i, I want to uh I, I want listeners to to kind of go away with something so if obviously with everything that we've spoken about what would be just your number one like well i'm not going to throw th- three or four at you what's your number one little tip you know you'd maybe say for someone that you know has had a child recently and is into fitness and has maybe like struggled um, with the whole process of that. What's something that you, and it can be like, it's, it's not like set in stone. This is something you personally felt was, was um, something that was useful for you. Like what, what, what words of wisdom do you have? Okay. Pressure. Um, I will say the biggest thing that I, focused on is modify, modify, modify. And it took a while to overcome that because I was always focused on, you know, doing everything in the best possible way, the best form, the strongest method. Um, and I've found so much joy in scaling back and taking those moments to, I would rather do something really, really well in an, a little bit easier way for me to manage than to risk trying to do something that I'm not ready for. So there would be days where you know I want to do core work or something, and I would overdo it. And the next day, I was in a lot of pain, and I could feel it in um, everything, and just like my whole abdomen would be like not in a good pain. And it's just like it, trying to find ways to give yourself moments to progress, but not rushing. So like I like I said earlier, I will still do push-ups from my knees and I will crush those push-ups from my knees with beautiful form rather than immediately trying to go to my toes and like, you know, I can do one, I can do two and then drop, or I can commit to giving myself the, the time to modify this and really crush these before feeling like I need to bite off more than I can choose. So I think for everybody, I just say like super, super slow. Like I'm still using really light weights for things and allowing myself to build back strength. And I, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, well, it's been a year. Like you're not back yet. Like that's kind of like what they say is when you should be back to your old self. And I don't think I'll ever be my old self and nor do they have to feel like they should be, but giving them the space and time to build strength slowly and naturally is the way that you're going to have the long-term success that you're looking for. Because if you try to do everything that you used to do, or if you think you, everybody else is doing, you're just going to end up feeling frustrated and like you're letting yourself down and we should all be proud of everything we can do, even if it's the littlest thing. I love that. Do you have a microphone on you? Because you just need to get up and drop <laughs> that down. I was like, wait, yeah. did my headphones cut out? Did I use some yeah, like, British humor, like, classic. We missed all of that. So, can you repeat it? Uh, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. That was a great answer. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, it's one of these ones where I honestly do have a full sheet of questions that I want to continue asking you, but I think it's just going to have to be a round two episode. Ooh, I where like it. Yeah, so we'll we'll find out. Let your husband have his uh, episode. You know, we'll see how that goes. We'll bring you on for round two, and then you can kind of uh, bragging rights there again. Did you get invited on for round two? Yeah. No, you didn't. You're a, you're a one trick pony. Those brewery companies don't even care about you. <laughs> Oh but my yeah, gosh, it I has love been it. a pleasure. So, team, we will see you in the next episode. Bye, thank you guys. Hey, hey, hey.
Thank you.